We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. What's up, guys? Today's show is brought to you by the Bronx Brewery and their Bronx Banner Ale. This Golden Ale is our go-to beer before, during, and after Yankee games. And you're usually going to find Andrew and me drinking this while we're recording. It's available in the stadium in over six sections, a number of the bars near the stadium, and it's also on tap at their South Bronx Tasting Room, which is only a quick walk from the Cypress Ave 6 train. If you are going to the Houston series this weekend, grab a Bronx Banner Ale. They're pouring it in the bleachers at the Masters Pass, Batter's Eye Bar, and also behind Section 203 in the bleachers where they're doing roll call. Did I mention? I have, because I've told you guys a hundred times about this. We are having the June 10th event, and the pregame is at Billy's, and the Bronx Banner Ale is going to be poured for you during the pregame, inclusive in your ticket. Also, if you cannot make the game, go to thebronxbrewery.com slash find, select Bronx Banner in the drop down, and enter your zip code. You will get the close a list of the closest bars and stores that sell Bronx Banner so you can enjoy it while watching the Yankees. Let's get into the show. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 137. We are recording on a weird, rare Wednesday off day. I can't remember the last time the Yankees have been off on a Wednesday. I feel naked without Yankees baseball right now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's strange. Usually it's uh, Thursday, Mondays. We get to have the days off, but the Wednesday, I guess they have a weird two-game set with the Cincinnati Reds, and then obviously they're coming home for the Astros. So a little, little bit of a unique schedule for the week of Yankee baseball, but that's okay. I'm, I'm okay with the day off today. They play the Reds at home two games later in the season, so I'm sure there'll be another weird Wednesday off day. Yeah, it's strange actually that they're doing a home and away with, with the Cincinnati Reds. I, I get so weirded out with these National League series and how they 
and how they operate. You know, if there's if they go one if they go to one city for one year and then they have to go back another year, it's like college football almost. If I mean half the games, it seems like the Yankees have played at this point have been against National League clubs. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's a lot of the NL Central. We haven't really we've seen have we seen all of the AL East teams once at this point? Yes. Yeah. But or and the Rays twice, both in the first week of the season. But I feel like we haven't seen the AL East in a long time. Yeah, it's been a little bit. We need to get back to them so we can whoop some ass and uh, put some put some gaps between us and for, and the second place. And those Orioles will not go away. Yeah. Can you can you believe we're talking about the Yankees trying to clear clear the uh, some ground between them and Second place team? Yeah, of course. I thought this all the time. <laughs> the entire time I, I knew the Yankees would be in first place or close to it. Before we get into it, I wanted to talk about Brockmire, the TV show. And right before we started recording, you said, what the hell is that? So clearly you don't watch the show. No, I've never even heard of it. It's with Hank Azaria. You know who Hank Azaria is? He did. Uh, he does one of the voices on The Simpsons. I was never really a Simpsons guy, but he, he's one of the voices on The Simpsons. And he plays this really hacky uh play-by-play announcer with one of these voices that talks like this and he had an in the first episode he has an absolute meltdown on air and he goes viral gets fired and then like disappears and then he comes back like 10 years later and starts calling uh like indie league ball uh games uh it's a really funny tv show any baseball fan out there needs to watch this show okay is it new is it did it just start yeah, yeah it started okay. a couple months ago i uh I saw a clip. Someone someone retweeted a clip of it on my timeline, and I watched it. And I laughed hysterically, and I was like, "I got to check this show out." It's on some weird channel, so I watched it on demand over the weekend. I, I watched like all six episodes that are out so far. It's only twenty minutes long. Okay, I'll check it out if I get the channel. It's not on Netflix or any of that. Uh, any of that no. on demand stuff? No, I'm sure it'll be on Netflix though. You know, after the first season, Netflix always scoops those things up. True. 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 If, if anyone out there, I, I tweeted out and some people said they do watch it, but not that many. So uh, if you start watching it and you like it, tweet me because it's hilarious. Also, we are one month away officially uh, as we're recording, one month away from June 10th event. If you have not gotten your tickets, go get your tickets. What are you waiting for? It's only 64 bucks and you get a ton of shit. It's awesome. It's the best package ever created. <laughs> yeah, we're over 200 sold at this point and we are you know, open for business. We want to add more. We, we got the, uh, the allotment bumped up. So we're going to be pressing even more emails are going to start going out to everybody who has purchased them. So if you haven't heard from me, uh, then, you know, after you purchase it, you get your receipt and all that, but you have not heard basically from us about the event that is coming, uh, either this week or early next week. So you can, guys can start gearing up for exactly the details and everything that's going to happen and how we're going to work it. But yeah, it's uh, I'm, I'm pumped up for it. Obviously, we know it's the 205-206 section for the June 10th against the Orioles. And the it, the ticket includes your your beverages, your your tasty Bronx Brewery beverages at uh, Billy's before the game from 4 to 6. Uh, we're going to be serving Bronx Banner beer. And that's included in the price along with a t-shirt for the event so definitely if you have not done it go get your friends get your group and sign up and on the last episode i hope you guys enjoyed the little voicemail segment that we did towards the end i know a lot of people said they loved it on on twitter so it's something we want to get going every monday episode the last four or five minutes of the show will be your guys voicemails make them funny make them hot uh, you may have also heard Scott mixed himself into that segment, but, uh, <laughs> he thought he was going to sneak that in without people knowing, but he, he had a voicemail in there too. So if you want to call the voicemail, it's 646-480-0342. Keep it to around 30 seconds. Like I said, make it a hot take, make it a rant, whatever you want to do. And, uh, we're going to play that sort of montage at the end of every Monday episode. I think it could be a really, really fun part of this podcast going forward. Well, yeah, definitely. And the reason, one of the big reasons we started this was, you know, to have more voice from the fans. And the only way that we can do this and have it effectively, uh, you know, have it be good at the end of every episode is if you guys cooperate and start calling in. So come on, bring on the phone calls. Uh, a VM on Twitter is called a voicemail. In case you didn't know, I definitely got some backlash from that from people that not knowing. Well, you know what, what that is? I what realize. a VM is. That's people who, that's, that's young kids who never... Call, never use the phone for actually talking on the phone and leaving voice messages for people. They don't know what VMs are. It's still a thing. It's If you look on the iPhone, there's a section for voicemail. I understand that. It's still but a if thing. if you're 20 years old right now, if you're under the age of 25 right now, you never talked on the phone. All you did was text. 
You didn't calling somebody is like basically walking in on them naked. Oh my goodness, that's that's ridiculous. All right, well, you need to learn what a voicemail is. That's what it is. It's it's a recorded message that you can also record your message so the other person can hear you if they're unavailable. You're welcome, children. <laughs> that number again, 646-480-0342. Make it hot. Yankees have they had the best record in baseball for 24 hours. Now they have the second best record. Uh, the Astros, who is coming into town and who we have a preview with coming up uh, later in this episode, have the best record. But uh, it's pretty amazing to look at the stats. The Yankees are 21 and 10 right now, and they're 20 and six after their one and four start. They've only lost six games since the first week of the season. That's basically it's what it's been one a week. It's it's ridiculous to think about. Yeah, not too shabby. I mean, I think we were all looking at. You know the eventual doom and like legit rebuilding year when we had that that you know initial start. Everybody was kind of looking around and, and what's going on here. And then all of a sudden, Gary Sanchez gets hurt and Didi's hurt. To start the season, things were not looking good. And then all of a sudden, Judge comes up and just starts lighting the world on fire. And everybody else, Chase Headley had a ridiculous first month. All these things that we didn't yeah, expect happened. First, so. first two weeks, the first month it was still a month. We're, we're well into May now, now that I already know what's coming, but we're well into May. You got to give them a good April. So, yeah. I mean, hey, this is awesome. But I don't I don't see it stopping. So, they were, we don't have the best record of baseball anymore. You know, it's still, we're still way up there. It's good stuff. They were one and four. They lost the first two games in Baltimore. Gary Sanchez pulls his bicep muscle, goes on the DL. Greg Bird is sitting because his foot was still sore. We don't have Didi. The pitching staff looks terrible. The only one who was pitching well at that time was CeCe. Look how far we've come where he's the only one pitching poorly. I mean, I would have thought there's no chance. If they make it out of April at 500, that would have been a miracle is what I would have said. Yeah, you want it to be enough back where you could still make a a run at it. That's kind of like what you're looking at. And hopefully that the Red Sox and the Orioles didn't come out too hot, but... Well, the Orioles, uh, the Orioles have, have. the Orioles have, but we've, we've, uh, we've kept pace. I don't know how, but we have the Orioles lost Britain. He's going to be out for two months. That is, I think going to be, that's going to catch up to them because you remember the series at Yankee stadium a couple of weeks ago, they didn't have Britain in that series and they, their bullpen imploded every game. So I know they're going to keep hitting their pitching staff is somehow piecing it together with, with wire or whatever they're doing. But I think that bullpen is going to suffer without Britain. Yeah, I mean, he's the best closer in baseball right now. He's he's hands down, you know, the most, probably the most talented closer. And if you're looking at the numbers and just effectiveness, he's the most effective closer. So he's got that cutter working. It's been filthy. The guy is, uh, you know, he's a huge asset to that team. And not having that dependable guy at the back of your ro- or the back of your pen is is obviously going to have, you know, a, a pretty big impact on your team, especially when you're starting staff like. You look at their starting staff, and it's amazing how how well they've done, because they're not that great. And they just got Chris Tillman back. We say uh, this that, every year. <laughs> I know, but they're not. It's amazing how they just uh, w- like guys like Obaldo Jimenez just well, he they escape by. He actually had a pretty decent outing the other night, but um, they got Chris Tillman back, and he was good in his first outing. And uh, what's his name? Kevin Gosman is a guy that they've been waiting to kind of turn the corner. He's got ridiculous stuff too. So you never know. Like those two guys, if they turned a corner and they were and they and you know they start putting it together, then and and they and their rotation becomes formidable. Like that's the Orioles are going to be tough to beat. Doesn't have to be formidable. It just has to be average, and their offense yeah. is going to do work. That's true. They will always hit. Quick question for you: How many innings is too many innings for a baseball game? Um, 18 is certainly too many. You that's mean, what you're getting at. You it's mean uh, too many. a doubleheader, but the game only counts for one is too many innings? Especially when it's on Sunday Night Baseball. When it's yeah. on Sunday Night Baseball, that should be illegal. We should go into put a runner on second. You can't bunt. You can't get him over. You got to, you know, all those, those nonsense rules they were trying to do. No, it's just, it's too much. It's, it's Talk about pace of play. I went to bed in the 13th inning. How long did you make it? Because we recorded, remember, we recorded after Chapman blew the save. So we were kind of watching the 10th and 11th and 12th inning while we were recording the podcast. And and then afterwards, I was just like, I, I because extra innings, it, it could go it could go 18 innings. You don't know when the end point is. And I was like, it's Sunday night. I have a day job. I can't. I don't know how anyone with a day job stayed up for that game at 2.30 in the morning. No, I think I went to bed uh, around 12.30. After the Yankees didn't score a run. 
on the inning after we stopped recording, I went to sleep. I was like, that's it. Right, because you know if the Yankees are going to win, then it's like a whole other inning and a half at that exactly. point. Exactly. It's, it's, <laughs> so it's a, it's a, even when the Yankees score, you have to wait like even longer. And if they tie it up, it's totally not worth it. At, so at least, I was at, done. At least extra inning games at home, you know, at any moment you can just pop a home run and, and it's game over. <laughs> but yeah, on exactly. the road, those are, those are more fun to stay up for. The ones on the road are, are tough. So, no, I'm an old man who needs sleep, and I had to be somewhere at 7 a.m. Wasn't happening. But the Yankees, Chapman blows that save. This team, the fact that they didn't just lose that game right there or didn't lose it in the 10th inning with the Cubs having all the momentum says something about this team. I'm not 100% sure yet what it says about them, but they've got something. And I know that's vague, and I know that might sound stupid, but this team, the 2016 Yankees, the 2015 Yankees, heck, all the way back to probably like the, two, uh, the 2009 Yankees didn't have what this team, I think, has. Well, I, it, I think it's obvious what they have. And they, they have chemistry. And when you have chemistry, resilience comes from that because you believe in the other guys. When you when you have chemistry on a team, then there, there becomes that that. I don't want to say arrogance, but a, a swag, like a, a bit of a swagger, knowing that the guy around you, the guy before you and the guy after you, if you don't do something, they're going to get your back. And that's what I believe this team has. I believe that they have such a nice gel between young guys, veterans, and they all believe in each other. And they believe that if they all do their job, they're going to win a lot of ball games. So I think it's resilient due to the chemistry. So, I mean, I, I think you can really finger put a finger on it. I think it's I think it's just a, a good feeling in the clubhouse. And when you have that, guys will play well together. They picked up Chapman and and like you said that shows chemistry, that shows resiliency and and, and uh a togetherness that this team has. So, it's awesome. I thought they had, I thought they had no chance at that game. Oh, me you too. know, as soon as That's as why soon we as were down. Was, That's what, I mean, we were pretty down after Chapman blew that save. Yeah. No, I mean, at, away when they come back from that, you and all the momentum's on the side of the Cubs. The, you know, world champions, like, here we go, going to save face here. They're, I thought for sure there's zero chance that they're winning this game. And to the credit of the Yankees' bullpen, because that gives, that's where, you know, all the credit at that point has to go to. I mean, these guys pitched their asses off. And what did Shreve pitch? Three three innings at the end? I mean, yeah, it's pretty pretty phenomenal. And he str- but, you know, he did strike out Kyle Hendricks with the game on the line. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's fine. I mean, that, that was who was in front of him. That game had all the makings of, okay, this is going to be the turning point for the Cubs to get their season kicked off. Exactly. When in reality, we might look back and say, this might be a moment where we look back at the Yankee season and say that was a defining moment where they swept the world champs. They won an 18 inning game. They had an hour sleep and won the next day in Cincinnati. So, I mean, they, we might look back at that game from a Yankees perspective. No doubt, because I think exactly what you said. They also had because of the uh, the eighteen inning games and the late, you know, the late finish of that one. They went directly to Cincinnati after that on their on their plane. I'm sure they all slept on the plane for however long that plane ride is, like forty five minutes. And then, and then, yeah, they they have a, another game that day, and they played well. They all looked like they were ready to go, and they played well. So I think that shows a lot. I think it shows a lot of heart from this team, and uh, I don't think it's going away anytime soon. Before we move off the 18 inning game, though, uh, did you read that Buster thing? Buster only wrote something about how he thinks baseball is moving towards a tie game scenario, probably after the 12th inning. No, I did not read the article, but he I didn't. Hate that. He didn't. Say, I hate that altogether. It's not like that. There's a rule in, uh, coming down the pike, or it's even within the next uh, five years. It would still probably be after this CBA, which is five years. But he believes. Sooner rather than later, baseball will not have endless games. I don't. All the other sports have have. Uh, well, I mean, base uh, football and hockey regular season have ties. Does basketball? I don't even know. I don't know. No, they don't. No, they don't. There's no ties in. I think it's stupid the ones that do have ties. Soccer is just a dumb sport in the general. But the fact that football has ties, I think, is ridiculous. Let these guys play. I mean, I, I understand that it's a different type of thing. There's these guys are you know like freight trains hitting each other, and you can only do so much. You can only do that for so long. But there's no reason to have a, a, a tie. There's you got to win. No you got to lose. There's certainly no reason to have a tie in a game where there's a clock. No, but there's and no there's clock no, there's in no, baseball. 
There's no time. There's no reason for that either. That's why you have extra innings. I mean, look at tennis. Tennis just in in certain they either have a tiebreaker or in I think it's the U.S. Open. One of them they have they just keep going and you got to win by two and you just keep going in the fifth set. There's no tie. You got to have a winner and you got to have a loser. That's the point of sports. It always comes up though. Freaking every time participation. We get one of these weird games. It doesn't happen often. I mean, how many games of of this six hour marathon games are there per year? Maybe maybe four. Well, it goes on the, past like fifteen innings. Isn't that the 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 the, the biggest point here? They, everybody makes such a big deal out of these things that don't happen very often, and we all have to change the rules because we have one game that takes forever. And you know what? There were people that were excited to stay up at the end of that game. I didn't care. I went to sleep. I woke up and I watched the highlights. Like it was fine. Go to sleep if you're tired. Don't watch the game. It's not that big of a deal. It doesn't happen that often. I mean, extra like, inning games. I like can't that. stand. I can't stand knee jerk reactions. And I feel like that's a. Did he write that after the? Uh, after that game, Monday, yeah, yeah. See, that's such a. It's like a. It's like a knee jerk article. No, no, no like, I don't oh. want to say. No, the article was not that he thinks baseball should go to ties. He sort of wrote it because, hey, this just happened, and here's what I'm hearing. Yeah, I I don't, I don't want ties either. I'm and I maybe I was playing devil's advocate and didn't even realize it, but I don't want ties. I would hate ties. And it, it's if that game started at one o'clock in the afternoon, no one would. I wouldn't have cared. But like. Like you said, no one's staying up on a Sunday night baseball game till 2.30 in the morning when I have to be at work at 8 o'clock the next day. It's just not happening. Yeah, then exactly. So go to sleep <laughs> and then catch the next game because there's a freaking 162 there's, of them. There's a game the next day and the Yankees won that <laughs> yeah. game. Yeah, not a, not a big deal. Offense All right? came there's, out we, There's a lot of digital technology that you can catch pretty much every pitch of the game the next morning if you'd like. No big deal. I did wake up at like whatever it was, three or four in the morning, um, and briefly checked my phone, and I and I was like eighteen innings. The Yankees won. What the hell? And I fell immediately back to sleep. And then when I woke up for real, I was like, I must have dreamt that. And I looked and like, nope, eighteen innings. Glad I I did the same. Because once you stay, I did the same thing. Once you commit to staying up, it, it could go a million innings, and you have to stay up. I know. That's why I didn't want to get to the point of no return because there is that point. And I've done that, I, you know. Last year, I did it a few times on some of the West Coast games. Oh yeah, that's and bad. I, and I and I hated myself for it the next day. I really did. Yeah, it's. I mean, it it might be harder on the fans for West Coast games than the players. I had to edit the damn podcast in the morning. Not happening. Not happening. If I'm staying up till three in the morning. The Yankees' offense was uh, came out swinging after they had no sleep uh, in Cincinnati, but. Um, the real story that I want to talk about in this game was Tanaka, who did not look good again. His seven innings, four runs, but um, he was in and out of trouble the whole time. He was leaving pitches up. Votto took him deep. I, it was just another situation where the Yankees scored a bunch of runs, but Tanaka was in Cincinnati fully rested. He went home after the ninth inning, or he went to Cincinnati after the ninth inning on Sunday night. So he had no excuses. He should have come out and being like, no matter what, I'm pitching my ass off in this game. And he didn't have it. Yeah, there was something strange that happened in that game, and it was right before Votto's home run. They they came out to talk to him, and even before that, you could see the Tanaka. Like, he, he gets like weirdly upset with himself. I don't know if you noticed this. He started like, hitting his chest. <laughs> it's like almost like in, uh, in uh, what's the movie with... Uh, with uh, Wolf of Wall DiCaprio, Street. yeah, Wolf of Wall Street. That's what look like. That's what it looked like he's doing. Yeah, I thought he was going to start chanting, but he um, he started he like hitting his chest. Coke in the bathroom, and he was getting mad at himself. And Rothschild came out, and they all had a talk, and they were talking about something. And then literally the next pitch, Votto took him deep. It was, um, and, and it was just a sh- he he ripped the ball. But yeah, you you could tell. And he was at what? He was over a hundred pitches. I think he was at like a hundred. Almost I think he threw hundred and sixteen. Yeah, I think he was like a hundred and ten right around then, or. He might have been over 110 at that point because that was his last batter, I think, right? Um, anyway, yeah, he didn't – I mean, he was getting out of it. He was doing what they have. I, I think one of the things you need to realize also, though, is is that he was getting in and out of trouble. But Cincinnati's offense, especially at that at that, uh, at that that park, is pretty nasty. I mean, they score a lot of runs. Yeah, but – you know, They're not the names you recognize. They're Tanaka, not a lot of the guys that people know. Tanaka's but the number one on this team. He's the quote-unquote ace. He needs to shove the bats down their throats. I mean, that's a game where your ace goes out there and pitches eight scoreless innings. 
You have such an unbelievably high standard for a number one pitcher. It's it's it, to me it's no, ridiculous. I have high standards for an ace. Tanaka no, yeah, is, that's exactly what it is. Tanaka is then the stop call, You've already called him. You've already said he's not an ace. So then why do you keep calling him an ace? It's just, just I'm adding. It. I'm adding to. I'm he's adding not an to ace. My long then, list of points. It's not a long list of points. It's it's it to me. It's it's nothing. Look at Bumgarner. He's not an ace right now. He went and rode a dirt bike. He's your boy. <laughs> that that did, you have. That was bad. That you have. Bad yeah, that you have Bumgarner. on like the uh, the Mount the Mount Rushmore of aces. <laughs> and this dude's out riding dirt bikes. Now what's he doing for his team? Tanaka's a lot better than that. I can tell you that much. Well, his team I'd sucks have, anyway. He knew. My he point knew is, the Giants sucked, so he was like, my I'm point go is dirt biking. The word the word ace and the way that you're playing it out doesn't to me. It's not. It's not. It's not calculating in the same way. I don't get it. I don't get it. Though, what Kershaw's saw, hurt gets hurt too. What we saw from this, the two games in uh, Cincinnati, they split. CC looked terrible, gave up a five spot in the second inning. This pitching staff is still the biggest question mark on this team. It's been, it was a strength for them for a long time in April. That's why they were winning. The, the starters were going into the sixth and seventh innings. But we've been counting on Michael Pineda, who's been nasty and. I'm scared shitless. He's going to implode at any minute. I don't know about you. Well, yeah, that's 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 just what history tells us. We're expecting him to go off the deep end at any point. Okay, so we he have has. Pineda. We've got Sabathia, who's looked horrible. Looks like his yeah. arm is hanging. Like I said last week, all he throws is 87-mile-an-hour slop balls. We've got Tanaka, who has not looked like Tanaka. We've got Montgomery, who's a rookie. And Severino, who has been probably... I don't know their best pitcher. Pineda's probably been their best pitcher. Severino's been my favorite pitcher to watch. Well, yeah, because you want him to do well. You have a you have a different standard for him at this point. You're saying I, I mean, have an agenda? Yes, you do have an agenda. Well, I already that's an uh, we all know you have an agenda. That's not that's not a mystery. That's, that's that's a fact. But the fact is is that Severino is the most exciting pitcher on the team. I mean, he's the guy that that throws extremely hard. He's uh, you know, a prospect from the Yankee system. He's the guy that we want him. To, we want him to be the number one so badly. So he's obviously a guy that we give a longer leash to. Tanaka is the quote ace, the number one. He's got less of a leash in our minds because he's supposed to do those things. Again, I've been saying this for years. It all boils down to expectations. But I think when you're looking at this right now and you're looking at how successful this team has been with this pitching staff, you know, granted, Pineda has been very good. I mean, way better than we ever expected. But with Tanaka not being at, at his best, I think that's, I'm not going to say that's a good thing, but it's it's a thing that, you know, he's only going to get better. He's the guy that's, we know what he is at the end of the season. He's going to get better. He's going to be more effective. I think once the weather starts warming up, you know, that guy becomes, uh, you know, he starts getting that ball down. He becomes much more an effective pitcher. And that's a good thing because we're doing well now without the best Tanaka. All right. So what do they do with Sabathia? Do they take him out of the rotation? I mean, Five, it's the Yankees scored a couple runs for CC early in that game, but he give you can't give up five runs in the second inning and expect to win a ball game. I mean, I know he went six innings, but anytime you put a five spot on the board, I mean, it's tough to win. It was demoralizing. This the, and this is the uh, their third or fourth start in a row that he's given fourth. up in the first two innings. Fourth start yeah, in a but, row, and in every single one of those starts, he's gotten to trouble early. And then settled into the game somehow and gotten them through, you know, at least five or six. It's weird. It's strange how he can settle into to uh, to a game like that with not not great stuff. Usually it's the opposite. Usually it's you know he can get by in the beginning and then get starts getting shelled around the fourth or fifth inning. So I don't understand it. Do I think that he's going to go away? No, not anytime soon. I think they're going to give him more time. How many starts? I think they'll give him into June. He so he goes out there June. three more starts before June. He he has similar performances, five innings, five runs. He, they're gonna let him keep going out there. I think in June then they might start to look at options. It depends what's going on in the minor leagues too. I mean it depends. I mean Chad Green it, it, came up and yeah. he stretched out, so he could easily fill into Sabathia's spot. Right, but what are they gonna do with CC? He's not gonna go to the bullpen. He's not a he's not a bullpen nope. pitcher. Put him on the DL and see if he comes back and can get his head right. So, I mean, so that's exactly what we tried to. We were talking about uh, when when Bird went on the DL. You well, and I have been scenarios. talking about no, no 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 hold on. You we have been talking about doing that for CC like two years ago. And they don't do it for him. It seems like it's like they don't they don't give him those that that DL spot when he clearly needs it, whether it's fatigue or not. I mean, can't we just call it a dead arm and put him on the DL? It's a it's almost it's an almost retired arm. Yeah. I mean, dead arm is like, there's, there is no medical term for dead arm. The dude's freaking tired. <laughs> He's old and tired. 
Put it is interesting DL. though because they call it a dead arm, but that's just to imply that it's co- it's going to come back. That it shouldn't right. be a de- dead arm should mean you, that arm is done. Yeah. So you know, I think I think yeah, I think that's that's probably around where we're looking. At. You know, he has three more starts. You saying up until June? You know, if that's the case, then then yeah, I think then at least three, look at maybe a four. I mean, but this team is at a point where we can't just be handing games away with a shitty starting pitcher every fifth day because How we, long? we expect we're at the point with this team where we want this team to make the playoffs. This is no longer just, let's just build for the future season. It happened in a month, but I'm fully in on this season now. So I'm not going to tolerate every fifth day. Crappy pitcher. I don't remember the exact date. So maybe you do. When did Michael Pineda get skipped last year when he went into the, uh, when he went into the he went into the bullpen for like a, a week, or they skipped him, or whatever it was. Pineda, or um Severino. Sorry, Severino got he got put in, he got sent down, and then he got put in the bullpen. It was like when July was that? Because the well, they did it with Avaldi as well. They did it with Avaldi in early July. I don't remember them doing that with Severino because once Severino, they they sent him down, or they he was they sent terrible. Him down. They were ter- he was terrible for like the first six starts. Then they sent him down slash put him on put him on the DL sent him down. Then he came back up and he w- went in the bullpen. So there's a precedent. I mean, there is a precedent for when they're going to start doing this, and I feel like it's it's June, July, and then they start making moves because they also have to have guys emerge in the in the in the in Triple A that Green's that been good. That will be better. Chad Chad Green has been great in Triple A in his starts. So maybe that's the guy. Maybe they do put him on the DL. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe they release him at the end at the trade deadline. And this is a you know an A Rod situation where we're like, thank you very much for your service. We're done with you now. You know, turn into a a, a bench coach. I, I don't know. You're the now the the real dad of the locker room. <laughs> that's your job. It They're is- gonna they might have to do something like that at that point because he's not if he's pitching like this. There's no way he's making a pass the trade deadline. It is frustrating though. He gave up five runs in the second inning and then. <laughs> Pitched into the sixth and didn't give up any more runs. How how can it be? How can you just have like you said a blow up inning in the second? That doesn't make sense. That's not what we've seen from CC. Let me tell you why I believe that he's going to be around for even longer than that. It's because Joe Girardi will come out and he will say he was not good in the in the in the first and second inning. But what did he do for the rest of the game? Oh, he already he, said he was that. Tough. He got it out. I know, but he's going to continue to say. It. How many times did we hear about line drives from Stephen Drew? How many times? Because that's the type of manager Joe Girardi is. He's got the guys back, and he sticks with them for probably too long. And he does it time and time again. And if you don't think that CeCe's, CeCe's one of the only vets on this team at this point, especially he's a guy that has a lot of clout with this organization, they're going to stick with him until until it's like the absolute last, the, the, the last straw. How, it's going to be a while. How much weight do you think they put on that leadership in the clubhouse? Because you remember when we talked to Ben Heller and he said uh, CC was sort of like the dad of the pitching the pitching staff in the clubhouse. Yeah, I think uh, you know that's definitely a consideration. I think they don't want to mess up this chemistry. I mean, that's what we talked about in the beginning. I think this team is riding extremely high in the way that they're they're interacting with each other, and I think CC is a big part of that. I mean, even with the pitching staff, you see him, you know, counseling and and trying to help Pineda through. You take a guy like that out of the clubhouse. You could you could disturb something that you don't want to disturb. So <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's that. a fine line though there between what's the war? What's the war for clubhouse? <laughs> clubhouse war. Clubhouse war is this a new uh, a new acronym we can make up? But there's a fine line you've got to weigh between he's losing games for us on the mound and he's good for the rest of our team. You keep saying weigh and wait. Are you being funny? No, I, I, I wasn't. <laughs> the um. Hey, yeah, listen, but, uh, I'm on record as saying fat CC is better than skinny CC. Oh, CC, skinny CC just looks like he has problems. Just looks like he has a, a crack problem. <laughs> fat CC looks normal. I mean, he should be eating the Captain let's, Crunch. Let's, let's, start the guy calling him, let's Instead of calling him fat CC, let's call him healthy CC. Hardy, oh, man, hardy CC. But I, I do believe that they have a lot of stock in in the fact that this uh, that this clubhouse is has a lot of chemistry. And... I'm pretty sure it's well known that CC is a big part of that. So there is going to be a leash. And I think they do. They absolutely consider that. Guess who has seven errors on the season so far? Oh, let's just keep this going. The goodwill um, on Chase Headley has completely worn off in my book. And I think in a lot of fans books, he was getting absolutely eviscerated when he made that error. Um, Monday night. At second bit when he was over at second base. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was a little dribbler ground ball. Oh, I'm not, I'm not defending him. It was a terrible error. It was bad. It was a really, it was a really bad play. 
yeah, I know he has not been good lately. He's been he's been back to his old self, which not two thousand either, not two thousand thirteen Chase Headley or whatever year it was. He needs to go back to the videotape. Yeah, let's um let's get those uh those Padres tapes back, please. And I know you wanted to talk about the I am Gary Cologne. Well, I just thought first of all, the funny thing is, is that uh, this morning. I was I was listening to Boomer and Carden, and I caught the end of it. And this is the first time I actually had heard about the I Am Gary cologne. And they were talking about it like it was legitimately a serious cologne. Like, I, I thought it was a real cologne for, for pretty much the entire day. It had to be trolling. I, it didn't sound like it. It really didn't There's sound no like it. There's no one that could watch that video and think it's a serious cologne. I mean, it had like a post-it note on it <laughs> like that was yeah, crooked yeah. that said hashtag I, I am Gary. I hadn't even, I hadn't even seen the, uh, the video until we started, like right before we started recording. I was like, there's no way this is real. So I don't know what was going on. Maybe they didn't see it. Maybe I just missed it. Maybe I missed the boat on the whole thing, but it sounded like they were dead serious. Who's a better actor, Adam Warren or Didi? Ooh, I think Adam Warren. I think Adam Warren really sold the creepiness of that role. It was, it was good. It was good. He took it to another level. I, I believed it. Yeah, it was good. And the videos I think the Yankees are getting are producing now are definitely more funny than the ones from a few years ago. I remember they did the Sandlot reenactment, but they didn't change any of the lines. So it was just the guys screaming the Sandlot lines, which I guess for the Yankees at the time was different because we never saw that before. But now they're actually coming up with some creative ideas. I actually enjoyed that that Cologne commercial. Yeah, no, it was good. It was it was uh it was like a, a complete takeoff of all those um I, I felt like it was a, a good knock on like the McConaughey because uh, McConaughey was doing like similar commercials, but they were for like Volvo or, or Ford or some nonsense or Buick, some ridiculous uh, car. You remember that over the over the winter? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Uh, we've got the Astros coming up. So we are going to talk to Hunter Atkins, Hunter Atkins of the Houston Chronicle, and we will find out what's going on with the Astros this season. Before we do that, I want to tell you guys some more about the Bronx Brewery and Bronx Banner Ale. They're our sponsor for today's episode. And you're probably already excited about the Bronx Banner Ale because you know that we're serving it at the June 10th event. They are a sponsor for the event. All the beer at Billy's is going to be brought to you by Bronx Brewery and the Bronx Banner Ale. The beautiful thing about this is that not only does it taste delicious, but it's available at the stadium. If you're at Yankee Stadium for this weekend at Houston, if you're sitting in the bleachers, go get some Bronx Banner Ale. They're pouring it in center field at the uh, bar at the at the batter's eye, the MasterCard batter's eye bar. It's a lot to say, but it's there. They're pouring it. And then they're also available in right field behind where they do roll call in 203 and 204. You can find your Bronx Banner Ale there. Check it out. It's a summer beer. It's perfect for baseball. It's delicious. Yeah, I think it's a great summer beer, but it might be my 2017 summer beer of choice uh, while I'm sitting on the beach and watching Yankee games. Um, But we know a lot of you guys out there can't make it to every Yankee game. But if you want to drink Bronx Banner when you're watching, anyway, go to thebronxbrewery.com slash find and select Bronx Banner in the drop down. Enter your zip code and you'll find out everywhere where they're selling it. Definitely pick up a pack and you know that uh, when you do purchase it, the Bronx uh, Brewery is donating 5% of every case sold to the New York Restoration Project, which is a, a local nonprofit focused on making the South Bronx greener and more sustainable, which is an awesome cause and really something you can get behind. So, again, go to thebronxbrewery.com find and enter your zip code. Now joining us on the podcast is Hunter Atkins. He covers all sports for the Houston Chronicle on Twitter at Hunter Atkins. What's up, man? Thank you for doing this. My Twitter, dude, you blew, you blew it from the intro. My Twitter is at Hunter Atkins 35. You got to be bad. No, but you know what? You're going to like this story. You know, you know, the 35 is in honor of and I'm not being facetious. The, the 35 is in honor of my favorite player of all time. And your listeners are going to find out now that. Yes, I, though I work for the Houston Chronicle, I love the Yankees. My favorite player growing up was Mike Mussina, Moose. Ooh. And um, 35 became the number that I chose for, for, for my high school jerseys, for my sports and all this stuff. So it, it is an ode to, you know, like a, a very unsung workman of a pitcher that I, uh, I profoundly loved. Well, how old are you, Hunter? Uh, I'm 13 and a half. <laughs> 
Well, because it's interesting. I mean, I, I don't know how old you are, but to if, as a Yankees fan, to love Messina, that's interesting because he was a free agent signing in 2001. Yeah, I, I, so I'm, I'm 28, soon to be 28 and a half. And, um, you, you know, yeah, my, my, you know, Messina wasn't, he didn't occupy the most enchanting, inspiring, dynastic teams of our childhoods, right? You know, those are those 90s teams. But it was more of a personal connection I really felt to him. And, uh, you know, I, God forbid any of my friends actually hear this interview, but I was uh, definitely a bad pitcher when I was younger. And I just saw Moose and I thought, you know, I want to give his mechanics a try. And it really enabled me to have, I don't want to use the word, I guess, successful. I went to some like hippy dippy little private school in the Upper West Side of New York City. But, uh, you know, for that rung of talent, uh, I was good enough to, to be very competitive and have a great time. Uh, and it really was due to my, you know, enamorment with Mike Mussina. I, I, you got to say, though, everybody has him on, on the radar. He's your boy. I gotta know. I gotta know where you stand. You want him in the Hall of Fame, or are you just you just don't care? Does, you, the whole thing doesn't mean anything to me because it will never change your opinion about Mike Mussina. No, I I already like him. Why do I need him to be you know emblazoned in bronze? It's true. Embrace the debate, Hunter. I, I no. I just look. I'm the worst person to ask stuff like that, or like who's the MVP, or who's better. Like is LeBron the second best player or the third? But I don't really care because. It's all very moot, right? It all just feeds the endless fodder, or to use a French term, badinage. Badinage is like frivolous, you know, pointless, like flirtatious conversation. It's total, you know, this like narcissistic, fetishistic, um, bloviating source that I, I just hate in sports talk. It's so it's so uninteresting to me because I don't learn anything. You know what I mean? But that's what that's what all sports talk is no. it's entertainment it's it's meant to be entertainment and if people are entertained by debating if Messina's a hall of famer if lebron should be the mvp then to each their own houston astros they're pretty decent this year <laughs> they are best team in the uh, look, well, best in, team in the, the american league right now right they're yeah. they actually i think they won today so they took the title which was ours yesterday, was the Yankees yesterday, and then it turned into like the Orioles like, and then the Astros. Wait, you said ours as if you are... Oh, we're part you know, of it. We've already... See, this is a debate we've already embraced. This is... Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We've, 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 we've killed this one a uh, th- hundred times. We are part of the team because we are fans. All right. All that's, right. That's it. Yeah. As no, are you, Ast- because you cover the Astros, but you are a Yankees fan, so I'm including you when I say our. Oh, my gosh. I'm definitely going to get fired now. Um... <laughs> Yeah, uh, look, to give, if any of your fans, I'll, I'll be very quick about what is important to understand about this team. Don't worry about the players. I, like, I'm not going to go over, this is having a great year. Today. What is incredible about this team, and I'm not being hyperbolic, is their resiliency. The Astros come back and win more than any team in baseball. They have an insanely deep lineup with incredibly timely hitting. For example... The game that I covered today, they scored four runs and beat the Braves. And the Braves suck. Fine. But I'm just going to illustrate this to you. The way in which the four runs were scored was the following. There were two outs every single time. There were no runners on base every single time. Every single run today came from a two-out clutch rally. They lead the American League in batting average and runs scored with runners in scoring position and two outs. So here's the deal. Two outs. We think of this as this high leverage situation for defenses and pitchers, right? Like obviously one more pitch and you get out of the inning and you hand it over to the hitters that are responsible for scoring more and winning you the game. Well, two outs, no runners on. The Astros are the best team in baseball. So, you know, the Yankees are obviously fantastic, but – if there, if there are fans out there that just don't really know and don't really care, you know, who's on the Astros other than Carlos Correa, because every Yankees fan, of course, knows that he's going to sign with the Yankees in like whatever it is, five or ten years and fulfill. He's going to become like the new Alex Rodriguez, obviously. Uh, and I mean that in terms of playing third base and doing steroids and dating Madonna. Um, <laughs> and and J-Lo. So, don't forget J-Lo. Yeah, it's just true. And at that point, she could be his grandmother by that time. But yeah, She's ageless. Um, she is. Yeah. Talk about somebody who should be emblazoned in bronze in the Hall of Fame. 
Like now we're talking, right? <laughs> uh, and, a, and a Bronx hero. No, so anyway, um, that is, that's the, that's, that's 100% true. So, that, so that's the information about the Astros. Their identity is about an incredible knack for timely hitting, indefatigability, that if you're going to beat them, you have to have your foot on their neck through all nine. Well, it's funny you say that because Andrew and I actually recorded the first half of the show before we got on with you. And one of the things that we had talked about was was the Yankees and their resiliency and why the, this team this year never gives up. Because like you're saying, similar to what the Astros have been doing, the Yankees have, have, have had multiple comeback wins. They, they went down uh, to, to Wrigley Field, swept the Cubs. The last game Even of the... I, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm putting in the spot. Do you have any idea what the number is? Comeback wins. Do you have a guess? Anymore? I know. I know they have. They're tied with the Astros for most comeback wins of three runs or more. I. I. I think it's six. Okay, so that would be. Uh... But when we're talking about the comeback, and you're talking about the resiliency of the Astros, I think one of the yeah. things that we decided that we kind of put our finger on for the Yankees was you become resilient when you have good chemistry, when you can depend on the guys around you. What do you see in the Astros clubhouse? Why are they resilient? Oh, it's awesome. I mean, I, uh, I'm a little, I'm a little, uh, I'm a little bullish on, or is it bearish? One of those animals ish. Well, would you, on, I'll let you know after you say what you're going to say, because I don't know where you're going. On assigning or equating great chemistry with winning. I'm always, I've always been like, you know, eh, kind of tepid about that argument because these Astros team, is awesome. They love each other. They have a great time. They're super funny. Um, the guys that are quote unquote old in the team are, they act young. They're very you know, like buoyant and jovial and boyish. Um, so their chemistry is amazing, but uh, I, I kind of wouldn't, I don't know. I don't, it's not like, it's not like if you love the guys you're playing with, that's going to allow you to shorten up your swing and poke a breaking ball into the outfield to score a run. Like, I, I just don't think it really works like that. Um, it's nice that everybody's in a positive mood. I guess it's, that's good. But the, the, the reason why the Astros are so resilient is that their lineup is so deep. Um, I, would, I would be lying if I said I knew, I, I knew baseball well enough to say that the Astros have the best one through nine, but I'm pretty confident. I mean, we can just go by the stats. Um, the idea that, you know, you have Alex Bregman, for instance. Alex Bregman, for Yankees fans who do not know, was the number one overall draft pick a few years ago. And he was the number one overall prospect in baseball. I think he was the number one overall pick in 2015. Just to give you an idea of how young he is. And he's an outstanding fielder. And he's a good hitter. You know, maybe he'll become a great hitter. He's batting eighth sometimes ninth in the lineup. Now, the most significant part of this is not his talent. It is the stat I'm about to lay out to you. He leads all of baseball with batting average, with runners in scoring position, and two outs. And the kid's 21 years old. It's outrageous. I mean, so, and I don't know if that has to do with because he's happy and he's a good guy and he has friends. I think he's a great freaking It doesn't hitter. hurt. It doesn't hurt, no. But I mean... That's a real kind of like asinine argument to just say like, well, they love yeah. each other, so that's why they're resilient. No, I mean, the, the, it's that there are so many tough outs, one through nine, right? Brian McCann. Okay, so Brian McCann, I could safely say as like a Yankees fan that he was pretty frustrating the last like season or two. You know, like this classic, classic aging corpse on the Yankees roster, right, who bats 230 and hits 20 runs, so we think, oh, he's worth it, Right. Man, he has been so damn good on this team. He is in the top 10 in average with runners in scoring position for sure. And I'm, I actually don't think that's because he's necessarily gotten better. It's because the team around him is so damn deep. You see what I'm saying? It's, it's not, so it's not chemistry. It's just that when you have one through nine that have the chance to get a really big hit, that are quality hitters, the guys that are batting seven, eight, nine on this team would be, you know, like five, six, seven on a team like the Braves, you know what I mean? Or a team like the Giants. Um, right. So that's a huge deal. Well, first of all, because well, you, you gave us a lot there, but first of all, you're bearish on chemistry. Uh, Thank to some, you. To Thank sum you. That you, look all that up. you look that up? 
No, I didn't look it up. I, I just happen to know the difference. But I know. appreciate it. Hey, I'm not it's, perfect. It's an interesting juxtaposition between the Yankees and the Astros because you're talk- talking about all their runners and scoring position numbers. And one of the complaints Scott and I have had all season is that the Yankees are relying too heavily on the home run. They're scoring over half, half their runs on home runs. Story of the hitting. Story of the franchise, right? I mean, well, yeah, which is fine when when you're you've got Derek Jeter, Bernie Williams, Paul O'Neill in the lineup, but. Uh, when when you've got a bunch of old guys going station to station, they can't manufacture runs in other ways. That's what we saw the last few years. Yeah, and you're this talking year, about having those guys in the lineup right now. No, no, they don't have. That's why this year <laughs> it's different. I'm saying I know you want Bernie Williams to bat right now. But I, I guess when we're talking about the chemistry too, and you're looking at the guys that did come over, Carlos Beltran's an interesting story because the awesome. he did not sign in 2004. Has Houston forgiven him for that and and accepted him as oh, as yeah. an Astro again? Yeah. Oh my God! Effusively so, yeah. Oh, he's he's beloved. I mean, I think I think a few things. Um, there is such a new generation of Astros fans because the franchise went into obscurity for so long, right? Losing with those consecutive 100 lost seasons, changing ownership. Try to think during Beltran's time. I guess they only changed ownership once, but um, well, he was there for only half a season. Yeah, no, I, I was I was thinking more about the fan base, right? Like, have they forgiven him? Of course. It's not that big a deal. I mean, I think also that maybe it was in the first few seasons they were upset that he left, but that Astros team, and I, I mean, I, I'm comfortable saying this, sad to say, is the greatest Astros team they've ever had, you know, in franchise history. So, you, and he's inseparable from that, right? You know, it's like um, BGO and Bagwell are the equivalent of, you know, British royalty in Houston. But Bagwell by that time and that World Series was really done. I mean, it was really his career was over. He couldn't contribute. He barely played. I think he maybe had four at-bats or something like that in the um, in the World Series. And, and BGO was near the end, too. They get there because of, of Beltran's crazy run. So he, he's beloved for that. And I, I'll tell you from being in the locker room so frequently, um, I, I also covered the Mets in 2010, 2011, a little bit of 2012. And in 2010, Beltran was still there. And, and he was very different. I thought he seemed very disgruntled and distant and maybe even mercurial. He was kind of, I don't know, he wasn't so fun to be around. He now is like, I'm, I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to think of a cross sports reference in a way. He, he's delightful. He's he's, he's in his like he's, got, he's he's happy. Yeah, he's got a you know he, he's got a he's got the gray beard or the blonde beard from the Puerto Rico <laughs> from WBC. I mean, yes, this yeah, is yeah. A, this is a guy who who is who's trying to be young again. You know, he wants he obviously went to the Astros because one they I think it was a, a sort of a homecoming for him in a sense just because he had that big no, one. But stop, at the same but at the same time. Not- at the same time, they knew he could win. He knew he could win there, and he wants that World Series title. Who are you? Where's this like sentimental argument coming from? They gave him the most money. What are you talking about? That's why. That's where all these guys go. There's no reason to be so cuddly about it. Oh, a homecoming. As if this guy felt like he belonged to any team in his life. He wasn't he, going somewhere. In, he wasn't going somewhere that wasn't good. That's. There's no way. I don't care who gave him the totally most money. Totally incorrect. No, I don't if believe that. If team gives him more money, he how as if you even know this guy. The reason you're looking at somebody like this, he, this is a guy when he's still playing at this age does not want to go to a crappy team. He doesn't want to sit there and and ha, be Perfect. on a terrible roster for an entire season. He doesn't I will need the you, money so for that. I, I, it's not a matter of need. It okay. I think he. Somebody can fact check this. That's not me, but I don't know. I think it's like a year or something, whatever the contract is. For $16 or $17 million, he's going to the, the Reds. Well, just, just, of course he is. And like all these guys are. You know, I remember I had an argument, diehard Cardinals fan years ago, and he says to me, you know, oh, God, there's just no chance Pujols is going anywhere. Pujols, he is the Cardinals. Cardinals. He's a chance to be the greatest hitter ever. I said, he's a Scott Boris client. He will go wherever he gets paid the most. It doesn't matter. Like, oh, no, no, no. He's a, he's a perennial winner. I mean, come on. He wants to be an all-time great. He has been irrelevant ever since, frankly. I mean, he's obviously climbing the charts as an all-time 
hitter, but he hasn't had a relevant moment in the sport since he signed with the Angels. None of these guys have any loyalty in any sport. And if you want to yeah, throw out yeah. one or two examples, like great. It's rare. It's very rare. One it's or just, two. It's yeah. to even make that example. So 99%. I don't know why I'm throwing Carlos Belcher under the bus so vehemently. He's great. <laughs> he's super nice. And he's very, he's, he's, ha- he's, he's, he's developed this self-effacing humor that he did not have when he was with the Mets. You know, he had much more of like a prima donna kind of vibe that he really didn't fit in. Um, you know, I think Mets fans obviously were disgruntled that he only had one great season there. He reinvents himself later in his career as this awesome hitter with uh, especially the Cardinals and a little bit the Yankees. So, you know, um, but he's he's fit in great with the Astros. They, these guys love him. You, know, you got to think a guy like Carlos Correa, who's Puerto Rican, he grew up idolizing Beltran. And they go and they play together with the Puerto Rican national team. Uh, it's, it's great. So he, he's fitting great. You briefly mentioned Correa earlier that he's going to sign with the Yankees, which is false because we have Gleyber Torres and he's the next Derek Jeter. Everybody knows that. Right. Well, Correa, like I said, Correa but, the third. He fulfills his A-Rod destiny. He goes to third. He does steroids. He dates Madonna. I mean, like, she's yeah. still going to be kicking around. But I, well, I want to ask you about him because he won Rookie of the Year and everyone was deeming him the next like Manny Machado or something. But yes. he's had a couple of solid seasons, really good seasons, especially for a 21-year-old. When you say a couple, I mean, you literally mean the definition of a couple, which is two. two. No, I know. Do you think he has uh, underperformed his expectations so far? No, no, he's 22 years old. When I, when I was 22, I could barely read. You've I mean, learned to read in the last six years. We learned, but he's, he's a professional baseball player who was right. one rookie of the be. year. And I mean, people were legitimately talking about him as one of a top five player he after is. his rookie season. He's outstanding. What? He's not a top five player right now. Uh, no, I no. guess not. But, but, well, first of, first of all, the top five players are now really good, right? Like, I, I, I guess. They've always been good. No, no, no. There are plenty of years in plenty of sports where. Like, we look around and we think, okay, remember when Matt Kemp was really good? Like, that class of elite baseball time, when we look back, was not that great, is, is the point I'm trying to make. Carlos Gray is 22 years old. He is an outstanding fielder, a great character guy, extremely well-behaved, family, the whole thing. You know, like, it's okay that at 22 years old, he's not hitting 300, Right. I mean, it's, it's interesting how, in a, in a way, the LeBron Jamesification of this stuff, the Bryce Harperization of this stuff, where we assume, not assume, I guess, it's that for a guy to, 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 to meet the hype, it does have to be right away, right? Like, well, I, I feel like Car- Carlos is, is, is he, I guess, the statute of limitations on whether we can define him as a good player can't we give him till he's 25 at least, which would give him another four seasons in the big leagues? I mean, it's outrageous that you'd think you'd be, you know, underperforming. He bats fourth on the best team in the American League. He, I can give you more stats. So coming, okay, so after today, he's on such a hot streak. Here's the numbers. In his last, I'm doing this off the top of my head, by the way. Not looking at anything. I just want anybody to know that. In his last 31 plate appearances, he's reached base 32 times? No. <laughs> He's reached base 14 times. 14 out of his last 31 plate appearances, he's reached base. Close to 500. I I, I think – I did not mean he – I don't think he's underperformed because I understand he's 22. Then who are these people? Who are these people? There are people. All right. Well, there are also people who think the earth is flat. And one of them is yeah. the point guard for the Cavaliers. Like, yeah, all right. What's the pitching staff like? Are they are they going to last? Is this is Dallas Keuchel back to his old form? Keuchel, yeah, he's back. I mean, his his ERA is zero point. Let me look it up. I'm sorry, his ERA is one point eight eight, which was inflated because he had a bad eighth inning earlier in the week against the Angels and kind of a lopsided weird comeback for the Angels. Um, he's nasty. The guy, the guy is back. And by, and by the way. There's one guy the Yankees do not want to face. I guess these new Yankees haven't faced him, but wow, does he have the Yankees number. I wrote uh, for the opener last year. I was in New York City, and I wrote a story where I interviewed all these Yankees fans. It was amazing. It was, it was exactly what I wanted to do. 
I interviewed all these Yankees fans who had no idea how to pronounce his name, of course. You know, like I found the most blue collar guys, the guys that like make, you know, like HVAC units and stuff like that out of Queens. And they couldn't pronounce his name and they didn't think he was good. Yet, of course, he shut out the Yankees on opening day and he was coming off of shutting out the Yankees in the wild card game in the previous <laughs> And of course, you know, no respect from any Yankees fans. It was great. This is exactly what I wanted. So, uh, hell yeah, the guy is, he won the Young two years ago. He claimed he was hurt last year, whatever. Um, he's dominant right now. And I, I mean, I'm certain, I'm not saying this as with any bias. I'm saying it unbiased, unbiasedly, which is that I, I would be impressed if the Yankees uh, beat Dallas Keiko in the series. Yeah, but like you said, I mean, two of the guys that were in that lineup are now playing for the Astros. So we don't, that's the thing with this <laughs> Yankees team. It's, it's, we don't know because it's a, it's a brand new team and we yeah. have not had a brand new team in 25 years. Well, I'm looking at the, yeah, it's true. I'm looking at the, uh, the matchups right now. Yeah. The Yankees will probably lose Thursday. They'll probably lose tomorrow. That's a really bad matchup. Pineda versus Keiko. Pineda I, has been the Yankees best starting pitcher this year. I know. I know. I know. Well, I'm, listen. That's my opinion, all right? And then the next three matchups are really bad for the Astros, I think. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, I think that McCullers and Yankee Stadium is going to be an issue. Mike Fires is atrocious. He's the fifth starter for the, uh, the Astros. And then Charlie Morton, he's been inconsistent, but him going up against Tanaka, I know Tanaka's been roughed up a little bit, but I, don't, I wouldn't so, be surprised. I would not be surprised. If the Yankees uh, went three and one, so what between see, well, they're you know what's gonna be cool to see just to throw this out there. The bullpens are so nasty for both of these teams that I wonder if these are gonna be really low scoring games. You know what I'm saying? Like except for except for that the Saturday game. If you're a fan who's going to that Saturday game, oh, you're gonna see a, the Yankees score a lot of runs. Mike Fires is awful. It's it'd be, it's it's an interesting matchup and a good test for both teams because both yeah. offenses both offenses have been great. Uh, the starting pitching I think has a lot of question marks because beyond Keuchel, uh, Fires and Morton, who you just mentioned, yeah. I mean those guys are journeymen. I agree. They're uh, it's it's the biggest weakness of the, of the, of the team. Now are they going to add somebody at the deadline? I don't know. We're like eighteen months away from that, and I haven't spoken to the GM Jeff Luna. I'll let you know what I do, but. He, the thing is, well, what's interesting, I'll, um, to add to the narrative about their pitching, the Astros lead, let me, let me make sure this, um, I have this correct. The Astros, uh, uh, yeah, the Astros, have the, <laughs> the Astros have the best ERA, the most strikeouts, the best opponent aver- batting average of all American League pitching staffs, and we're shitting on them. Yeah, so the Astros, the Astros have the best pitching staff in ERA, strikeouts, opponent batting average. But nonetheless, I confidently can say I do not think it'll last. I think it's a huge issue for them. They've, they've, they haven't they have faced any good competition. The AL West is really bad. The AL West is like the NL East this year. Just, you know, really bad competition. So, you know, it's a little bit of rose-colored glasses. Like today I asked the manager of the Astros, A.J. Hinch, who's great. I mean, he's a very – he's special. He's an incredible manager. And I asked him the last question of the – press or the second to last question of the press conference. I asked him, I said, you, you know, going into the Bronx – with this momentum that they have off their wins, how is the match against the Yankees going to gauge the Astros? And he flatly, you know, shut down my question and said, you know, uh, we don't need to gauge our team. We're good. And then he said, you know, it's just a matchup in the in May. It doesn't really mean anything, which is a lie, right? Like, this is totally false. Yeah, I think Astros- this is a, a good benchmarking test yeah, for both teams. Yeah, the Astros get smoked. Ugh. It'll be, you know, a huge deal, I think. So, plus the Yankees uh, are riding that Derek Jeter week momentum, and you can't underestimate. Oh my God, I'm so jealous. So my colleague at the Houston Chronicle, his name is Jake Kaplan. Jake Kaplan covers the Astros full time. Uh, on Twitter, he is at Jake M Kaplan. He's in, he's extraordinary, and he he's going. I mean, obviously he's the beat guy, but he's going to New York. I'm in, he's there right now. I'm totally jealous. He's not listening, but I'm happy to say I hate him. I'm very, I mean, it's just outrageous. <laughs> A little jealous, yeah. Well, Hunter, thank you. This has definitely been uh, interesting, if not educational. Uh, On Twitter, at Hunter Atkins35. Don't forget the 35. Thanks for joining us. Is Tim Kirchin calling in? All right, give it to us, because we know you're proud of your Kirchin impression. 
Guys, so good to be here on the Bronx Pinstripe. It is the first podcast I've done on a Wednesday after getting a Thai massage. What do you feel about Aaron Judge? <laughs> Let's just say he swings a big bat on and off the field. All right. Thank you a lot, Hunter. You got it, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.